Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. I'm going to be sharing with you uh, about the end time, so I'm going to be reading a lot more scripture than normal. Uh, I'm going to be more still than normal probably, so uh, anyways, uh, but I, want, I have some information I want to share with you today. But before I do, I want you to know I read a story of this uh, beautiful young lady and her grandmother who boarded a train, and they were heading on a, on a destination, but as they were sitting there waiting for the train to leave the station, a big uh, general who was very well decorated, military uh, general, got on the train with his private beside him. And so the general and the private got them. They sat across from this beautiful young lady and her grandmother. And as the train departed about an hour into the trip, everybody had said their kind hellos. Hello, how are you? But everybody sort of got quiet. Well, an hour into the train ride, the train goes into a tunnel and it gets pitch black. I mean, it is dark. You can't see anything and everything's quiet. Nobody's saying a word. And then all of a sudden in the darkness and in that quietness, you hear this, a kiss. And you hear a smack, a slap. And so after the train come out of the tunnel, everybody that's out there is beginning to think what was going on. So the grandmother begins to think this. She says, it was very brave of that young soldier, soldier to kiss my granddaughter, but I'm glad that she slapped him. And then the, the commanding officer, he began to think, and he said this. He said, you know, it was brave of that young private to kiss that girl, but I'm glad, I, but I hate that she slapped me instead. <laughs> then the beautiful young lady began to think, and she said, I'm glad he kissed me, but I hate that my grandmother slapped him. <laughs> and then the, the young private had a satisfied smile on his face. As he was thinking, he said, there's not many days that you get to kiss a beautiful young girl and slap your commanding officer too. (laughs) (laughs) See, in that episode of that story, there were three people that was in the dark. Only one knew the truth. And so today, what I believe is when it comes to the end times, there's not a lot of us that know the truth. And so God's word gives us the truth. And so today it is my desire to speak to you the truth about the end times, what's going on. So the title of the message today is simply, what in the world is going on? I want to answer three questions today, and we'll start with the first one. And again, there's going to be a a lot more scripture. Some will be in your program. Some will be on the screen. And so I just ask you to just tune in as I share this information with you. The first question I want to answer, how do we know we're living in the end times? Because every generation, every generation from the, from the time of Jesus has believed that they were living in the end times. The only way that we know that we're in the end times is that we have to look at Israel. Israel is God's time clock. And so look at Joel, what Joel says here in Joel 3, 1 and 2. It says this, for behold in those days and at that time when I bring back the captive of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat and I will enter into judgment with them on account of my people, my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations. They have also divided up my land. So what he's saying here 
is that Israel is God's time clock. Israel has been dispossessed twice. The first time in 500 BC, Israel was dispossessed by the Babylonians because of their sin. Because they had sinned, God allowed the Babylonians to come in and take them captive and take over their land. But that only lasted about 70 years and Israel went back to their homeland. The next time was in 70 AD. It was when Titus captured Israel, uh, took them to Rome, made them slaves, and killed over a million Jews in that. And then at that point, the, the, Jewish nation began to, the Jewish people began to disperse all over the world during that time. So God's saying, I've got to regather my children Israel. We see this happening in Isaiah. He begins to tell us about what's going to happen. He says, who has ever heard of such a thing? Who has ever seen such a thing? Can a country be born or can a country be born in a day or a nation brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. So what he's saying is this, is that a nation would be born in a day. It was prophesied that a nation would be born in a day. That was unheard of. That is unheard of. But I want you to know on May 14th, 1948, Israel was born in a day. It, it, right at the, in 1948, it was amazing how that, that Israel became into existence one day. The British mandate ended, and as soon as it ended, on the same day, the leaders of Israel declared themselves their independence and a nation. And on the same day, Harry Truman, the president of the United States, declared Israel a nation. And uh, world leaders followed all over the world. And one day, it was set up in place. One day, the prophecy of Isaiah came to pass. Nobody ever thought that could happen. We see also uh, in Matthew 24, Jesus begins to tell about all these signs of when he's coming back. You know, he says, hey, you'll hear wars, rumor of wars. Well, that's been going on a long time. The only thing that's happened now is the existence of Israel. So he says this. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its, tenders get, uh, as soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it's near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So Jesus is saying that the generation that sees the beginning of the end will see the end of the end. Now, so the question is this, is uh, when, did, when did this generation start? When, did, when does God's time clock start? Well, that happened in 1948. When Israel became a nation, that was when the, the end time began, the clock started ticking right there when Israel became a nation. Now, the question is this, so how long is a generation? And that is a great question. Well, it's not on your outline or in your notes, but Psalms 90 and 10 says this, the length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have strength. So if that is the case, if, and if some say this says 70 to 80 and some say 100 in the Bible, but there's a lot of, uh, of guys that believe, theologians that believe it's, it leans more toward the 80 as a generation. So if that is the case, Israel this year will be 74 years old on May the 14th. They'll be 74 years old. If that's the case, that means that there's six years left in this generation. Now, listen. I am not telling you that the world is going to end in six years. I don't know, everybody. Amen? 
I don't know, but I'm telling you, this is a timetable that we're looking at. According to scripture, this is what everyone's looking at. All right. So, so again, understanding that God is mad and God said at the, at the opening passage we read in, in Joel, he said, I'm mad because you divided up my land. Now, Israel is a little tiny country. It's about the size of New Jersey. If you were to put it into Lake Michigan, you'd have a lot of room left over. It's very small. But since 1948, uh, America has been putting pressure on Israel to divide up her land. This book that you're about to see, the cover that's coming up on the screen now, is a guy that wrote a book called Eye to Eye by William uh, Koenig. The subtitle was Facing the Consequences of Dividing uh, Israel. Now, he has 126 examples of how natural disasters have struck America every time that we put pressure on Israel to give up its land. For example, in 2005, under the Bush administration, uh, that we put pressure on Israel to give up the Gaza Strip. The thing that was being said to all of us is that, okay, it's going to be land for peace, land for peace. So they gave up the Gaza Strip. And when they did that, all of a sudden, the Palestinians started firing rockets into Israel from Gaza. There's no such thing as land for peace, everybody. It just doesn't work. So after that, after the United States put pressure on that and made them do that, five days later, the worst natural disaster hit America, and that was called Hurricane Katrina. Right after that happened, it's this natural disaster. It, that was the worst natural disaster in our history. And the rabbis come out, the Jewish rabbis come out and said, listen, we told you God does not like you making us give up our land. To look back to last December, last December, 2021, last December, does anybody remember that there was a 230-mile tornado that ripped through four states that was a, the largest tornado ever on record? It, it did massive destruction. Does anybody remember that, seeing that in the news? What was going on in Israel? The Biden administration was putting pressure on Israel to give up East Jerusalem. If they would have gave up East Jerusalem, 600,000 Jews would have lost their homes in that process. And it was right in that time frame that while pressure was being put on them, that we had another natural disaster. And in his book, the book I just showed you, there's 126 examples of that. Every time we go to touch Israel, God says, no, get your hand off my people. Don't make them give up my land. I'm mad at you for that. Also, during that time, the, uh, the administration was uh, telling them to give up the Golan Heights in Israel. The Golan Heights is a, is a major strategic defense place for Israel because before they took that in the Six-Day War, 1967, it was a place where Syria would fire rockets down on Israel and they would try to destroy them. So it, it's a very strategic place. So God says, get your hands off of my people. Quit trying to make them give up their land. So we know that we're living in the end times because we see the existence of Israel, all right? And, and so what made, that's the difference now. Again, everybody said, you know, Jesus is coming, but before we didn't have Israel's existence, that was a missing component. We have that now. So everything starts with Israel. Everything will end with Israel. All right. The second question is this, that, that we're all wondering is this, what is the influence of what's, uh, what is the significance of what's happening with Russia now? What, what, is, why, what is going on? Is there, is there anything in the Bible about what's going on with Russia? And the answer is yes. Listen to this. It's a little lengthy, but listen. 
Ezekiel 38, the prophet Ezekiel 2,600 years ago wrote this. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog and the prince of Rosh. Rosh is Russia, everybody. Meshach and Tubal and prophesy against him and, and say, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around, put a hook in your jaw and lead you out. With all your armies, horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling, sword, uh, handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, Libya are with them, all of them with shields and helmets. Gomer and all its troops, the house of Tagarma. Now notice this, from the far north, everybody, you want to take note of that. All and all its troops, many people are with you. So this prophecy is against, is against the ruler of Russia, the leader of Russia. That's what this is. Matter of fact, uh, when he talks about Gog, it's about this ruler that he's talking about here. God was saying, tell the ruler of Russia that I'm going to take care of you. He said, I'm going to put a hook in your mouth. That's what they would do with animals. They, they, would not, they couldn't get them to do what they wanted to do. So they would take a, a pole with a hook and they would put a hook in its jaw to pull it around. And God says, that's exactly what I'm going to do to you, uh, Russia. Now, let me say this. Today, it appears that, that Vladimir Putin, is God is going to put a, a hook in his jaw because he is the leader now that is, that is leading Russia into this war. Now, listen, his end game is not Ukraine, everybody. His end game is all of Europe. He wants, he wants to take back the old Soviet empire. Uh, Putin is a very, very evil man. He has bombed hospitals. He has bombed nursing homes. He, is, his, he has targeted civilian after civilian. He wants to kill people. He's very evil. He's taken Ukrainian people as prisoners. Uh, so he will not stop at anything. Vladimir, Vladimir Putin is the new Hitler of our day. I would tell you that today, what's going on in Ukraine is the, most, is the most aggressive military action since World War II. It's happening right now. And listen, we're all involved in this. You say, well, at least America's not it. No, we're in it. We're supplying uh, the Ukrainians all this military might. So we're all in it. The whole world is, is being drawn into this. Now, so when the Bible gives directions, we must understand when it says, okay, I want to give you direction, north, south, east, and west. Every time it gives direction, the center point is from Jerusalem. And he says, I want you to go, and notice I had you underline that, far north. When you go far north, if you go north of Jerusalem, you're going to run right into Moscow, everybody, right into that part of the world. So I have a map that's coming up to show you all these biblical names that I share. What are they modern day today? I'm going to show you where they are on the map. Rosh on the map is Russia. Magog is all the stands. Afghanistan, if your name ends in stand, that's where you are, right? All the stands are there. Gomer and uh, Tagarma, Meshef and Tubal is modern day Turkey. Put is Libya, North Africa, and then Persia is Iran. Now what do all these nations have in common, you might be asking? They're all allies of Russia, all of them. And Putin, he reigns in this area. He is, a, he is the dominant force there. And, and the, all of these countries actually lean on him and listen to him. He influences them greatly. And again, this prophecy was given over 2,600 years ago. 
Again, listen to what uh, Ezekiel says again, verse 7. Prepare yourselves, be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. After many days you will be visited. In the latter years you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered for many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. You will ascend coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops and many people with you. Thus says the Lord God, on that day it shall come to pass that, that thoughts will arise in your mind and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gate to take plunder and to take booty. Now, that doesn't mean shake, shake, shake. <laughs> that actually means treasure, everybody. All right. To stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited and against the people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock goods who dwell in the midst of the land. Now, so what he's saying here is the reason why that they want to take Israel. Why? Why, why, does, why do, they, why do the uh, Russians want to invade Israel? Uh, why do the other groups want to invade Israel? Here's the reason why. The first reason why is to take the plunder, to take the goods. The second reason why is to get the land back. And the third reason is to kill the Jews. Now, there's two groups of people that want that piece of property, Israel, really bad. One of those is Russia. Russia wants it because Russia is greedy. A lot of this going on in Ukraine right now is because that the pipelines that flow through Ukraine to deliver natural gas to the other parts of the world, uh, Ukraine gets a fee off of that and Russia's tired of dealing with them. That's, that's a lot of what's going on there. But also Israel has discovered 32 trillion cubic feet of natural gas right off its shoreline. And so now Israel is a, com a competitor with Russia as selling natural gas. It's its number one competitor. So Russia wants that for its treasure. It wants that natural gas. It does not want Israel to sell that natural gas. Okay, that is one of the reasons. Um, the second reason is this, is that, uh, so that was discovered seven or eight years ago. They also, you may have heard of the Nord Stream pipeline. That Nord Stream pipeline that goes from Russia to Germany was cut off uh, because of the war in Ukraine. A lot of pressure was put on Germany, so they cut that off. And so a lot of Russia's money has been cut off. And you may not know this, but we were buying a, a million barrels of oil a, a day from Russia before President Biden cut that off like a month ago. So Russia hates Israel. And let me tell you something, when Israel come out and said to Russia, or said they condemn Russia going into Ukraine, immediately Russia come out and said, well, we no longer recognize Israel's right to the Golan Heights. In other words, Syria's wanted that back, and if they try to take it back, we're going to back them. We're going to back that. So Russia hates Israel. Another group of people that hate Israel is Muslims. They hate him. Matter of fact, uh, Muslims, especially in Iran, Muslims have their own eschatology. Eschatology is what I'm doing right now, teaching about the end times. What their belief about the end times is totally different than ours. As a matter of fact, Iran is run by Muslim priests, okay, everybody? 
In other words, it would be like the last decision of the United States instead of, the, instead of our three branches of government making the last decision. It would be like coming to the, a group of pastors and say, okay, what should we do? That's exactly what they do in their faith. The, the, the people, of, the ministers of the Muslim faith actually have the last say. And they have a belief this, their eschatology is this, of the teaching of the last time is this, is that Israel has to die. They have to be wiped out. They're, they're number, they exist to get rid of Israel. They tell you, that's why you hear them all the time, kill Israel, because they believe it is in their faith that when Israel is no longer there, that all of a sudden their Messiah is going to come on the scene. And when their Messiah comes on the scene, Jesus is going to meet their Messiah. And Jesus is going to proclaim to the whole world that I'm a Muslim after all. And everybody should convert to Islam. That's exactly what they believe. So they, they believe that their, their end time cannot happen. Peace on the world cannot happen until Israel is destroyed. That's why they are so adamant about destroying Israel. Now, what I want you to know is this, is that they have been working to enrich uranium. The Iranians have for a while. While the whole world has been distracted about political matters everywhere else, they've been secretly working. And Russia's scientists have been helping them. And so it was discovered last summer that by the, uh, by the Israeli military that they were about eight weeks away from having enough uranium to enrich a bomb. And let me just tell you something. They're very serious about this. So now they, they did not have rockets that could reach Israel until now. Here's a picture of the missile that, that they took a picture of. This, this missile that they have has an inscription, Arabic inscription, which simply is an, a reminder. It's about the war that the Muslim beat the Jews. That's what this is all about. It's a, it, that inscription is referencing that war where Muslim beat the Jews. And what they basically are saying is, Israel, we got a rocket with your name on it. It's coming. And so they're, they're going to bomb Israel. They're going to do this. As soon as they can, they're going to do this. Now... What I want you to know is that Israel knows this is coming. And so this year in their budget, they put $5 billion into their budget for one thing, to bomb Iran. They're like, we got to get to them first. They're going to bomb Iran. Israel is going to bomb Iran. And so they've told Russia already, we're going to bomb Iran. They've told the United States, we're going to bomb Iran. We cannot let them have a nuclear weapon or they will destroy us. So we're going to destroy them. That is actually what is planning now because Iran feels like it is called by their Messiah to destroy Israel. So Russia is backing them. Look at Ezekiel 38. He says this, this is what will happen in the day when Gog attacks the land of Israel. My hot anger will be aroused, declares the sovereign Lord. In my zeal of fiery wrath, I declare that at that time there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. The fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the, the beasts of the field, every creature that moves along the ground, and all the people on the face of the earth will tremble at my presence. The mountain will be overturned, the clefts will be crumbled, and every wall will fall to the ground. I will summon a sword against Gog and on, on Gog, all my mountains declare the sovereign Lord. Every man's sword will be against his brother. I will execute judgment upon him with plagues and bloodshed. I will pour down torrents of rain, hailstorms, and burning sulfur on him and on his troops and on, on the many nations with him. And so I will show my greatness and my holiness, and I will make myself known in the sight of many nations. They will know that I am the Lord. So what is God saying? 
God is saying, I'm going to take care of Israel, everybody. He said, I'm going to fight for Israel. And that even though that little bitty place right there that, that should not be able to defend itself, God said, I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to fight for them. So the question is this, when will these things happen? When will these things happen? Well, there's four things that must come to pass first. The first one is this, Israel must be restored to its land. And we know that has happened in 1948, that happened. Israel also must come back from many nations. And listen, for years, Jewish people have been coming from all over the world and, and coming back together. Matter of fact, one of the things that happened in Ukraine is the Jewish people that were even in Ukraine left and went back to Israel. So Israel is being populated by its people every day. Another thing that must happen is Israel must be prosperous. Let me tell you something. Israel is filthy, filthy rich, everybody. They, they, their tech industry is thriving like never before. Uh, also, they found these 32 billion cubic feet of natural gas that's there about seven, eight years ago. They're tapping into minerals uh, in the Dead Sea. They've harvested, they're selling. They're, uh, matter of fact, the agricultural there is the most fertile place. They have the most fertile land in the Middle East. And so they are doing very, very well. Uh, the fourth thing is that Israel must be secure. I wanted you to know that Israel is the most powerful military in the Middle East. Every, every, uh, every person that graduates high school must go serve two years in the military. They take them every year before they graduate. They take them through the Holocaust Museum and they remind them of what happened in World War II, what Hitler did to them. And they say, we're never going to let this happen again. So they let every child know the reason that they need to be prepared. And so every person is prepared to fight in Israel. They are that prepared. Now, it is believed that many uh, that study prophecy believe this, that this will happen, that the bombing of Iran and all of this force coming against Israel will happen. And when that happens, we believe, it is believed that Jesus is going to return to the earth in that time frame. That he's going to return and he's going to return in the sky. He's going to call his church to be with him. And at that point, then the tribulation will begin. The seven-year tribulation will begin. We don't know how much of that we're going to see, but we believe that the tribulation will begin. The good news is this. The good news is this. In John 14, Jesus said this. So you may be asking, how should I respond to this message? Well, listen to John 14. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Jesus is saying this. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So I'm not sharing this with you to scare you. I'm sharing this to give you hope. Because the good news is this. Number one is God is in control, everybody. Amen. Amen. Vladimir Putin is nothing but a puppet in God's hand. Just like Pharaoh, when Moses went in, it was God was in control the whole time. God is in control. God predicted it would happen. He knows exactly what's going to happen. God always delivers his people before he brings judgment. If you look back at Noah and the ark, you will see that God's judgment was coming and God gave everyone an opportunity to get on the ark. In Sodom and Gomorrah, when God destroyed the, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah for its sin, God delivered the righteous and, and all that would come out came out and God destroyed the city. I'm telling you, before God brings judgment on this world, his people are going to be gone. Amen. Isn't that good news, everybody? We're going to be gone. 
Jesus is coming. Why am I sharing this message? I didn't say this in the first service. About a month and a half ago, I was, about a month ago, really, I was praying and just talking to God and, and I felt the Holy Spirit put in my heart, Jeff, tell my people I'm coming soon. Tell my people I'm coming soon. Jesus Christ is coming and he's gonna take his people to heaven. And everything that you desire is gonna be there. You know, when I share a message like this, some of you young people would say, well, I wanna get married, I wanna have children and all these things. I know, I used to hear my pastors. See, when my pastors taught this when I was a kid, they tried to scare the devil out of you. Amen, they were, oh, you better be ready right now, right now. I mean, they would just scare you to death. That is not my desire at all. I wanna share this so you can have peace, to know that God's, before it gets too bad, God's gonna take us out of here. And when will you get to heaven? So you young people, let me tell you something. Heaven is gonna be so much greater than anything you can imagine. You're gonna enjoy life like you never, you just have no idea how you're gonna enjoy life. You're not gonna have any more, no more tests in heaven, hallelujah. Amen, no more exams in heaven. No more of that, no more, no more dread, no more, no more of that in heaven. And we're gonna to get to come back to this earth. It's gonna be a renewed earth and we're gonna to get to live. And we're, we're gonna enjoy forever and ever without the devil, everybody. And so I want you to know it's something. So what should I do? First of all, know that Jesus is coming. That's why we have given you these invite cards. This Easter is more important than any other Easter. I want you to know that I'm gonna be sharing a salvation message, why? Because I'm believing that, gee, I believe Jesus is coming and I want my family and friends to know Jesus. So the best thing to do is I can do is invite them to church and let, let's partner together and share our faith. I want you to know something, Rhonda and I are doing things extreme this year to, to invite people to church. We're doing all that we can to invite as many people. Why? Because I believe Jesus is coming and I want them to know, I want them to go to heaven. And see, most people just don't know because nobody's told them in a while because it's not cool to talk about Jesus anymore. He's coming. So the third thing, what should you do? I'll tell you what you should do. You should make up your mind, I'm gonna live for Jesus. Listen, a lot of people say, I believe in Jesus, but they live like the devil. That person not going to heaven, everybody. As your pastor, that's what, that's what haunts me. It's followers of Jesus that are gonna go to heaven. And so today, I don't know who you are, those that are watching online as well, I don't know. But I'm telling you, it's time to get your house in order. Listen, those of you that are playing and are dabbling in God, you're not really fully went in, you need to go all the way in. And those of you that are dabbling in sin, you need to stop it, just stop it. And you need to commit your life to following Jesus. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you should wake up every day and like, thank God, if this is the day I'll be in heaven with you, no more problems. I'll be there. Don't be afraid. Now, I wanna say one more thing. If you're here, you say, well, Pastor Jeff, how should I live my life? I'm gonna tell you this, this is my advice to you. Live your life or plan, let me say, plan your life as if Jesus didn't come in 100 years from now. So I want you to, you know, don't go quit your job tomorrow. 
Don't say, well, Mom, Dad, I'm not going to college now because Jesus is going to come in six years, so I ain't going. Don't do that. Have children. Get me. No, no. Get married, then have children. Yeah, let's do that first, all right? Plan, get married, have children, live your life like it's going to be 100 years. I mean, not plan your life like it's going to be 100 years, but live your life like it's going to be today. Amen, everybody? Now, before we have our altar time, I want to pray because there's people in this room that, don't, that are not following. If Jesus were to come today, you wouldn't go. You know it. You just would not go. Those of you watching online, there's people that are right now, you know if Jesus comes, you wouldn't go. You'd be left here. And let me just tell you something. You don't want to be left here. The only way you can get into heaven, if you're left here, is you've got to give your head. You're going to have to be martyred. And I think that that's something we don't want to do. So I want to pray for you right now. If you do not know Jesus in your heart, you don't have to say it out loud. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life, oh God, I need you. Lord, I don't want to be afraid. And if I have you, I don't have to be afraid. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and save me, Lord Jesus. I need you. So, Father, today I'm to ask you and believe that you have. And so I trust you for that. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give God a hand for all those people who just prayed that prayer? Today, I want you to do something with me. We ask everybody every week to fill out a connection card and turn those in, please. Please turn those in so we can pray over you. But if you made that decision today, I want you to check the box online, wherever you are, all over the world. Would you just check that box? Would you just let us know that you prayed that prayer through our app? Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.